Welcome to My Creative Corner 3, a podcast about quilting, crafting, creativity, and life in a northern town. You'll find show notes at mycreativecorner3.wordpress.com. You can leave a comment. You can sign up for my patron site. You can purchase a virtual cup of coffee or even sign up for the newsletter. Come back weekly and we'll chat. My name is Vicki and welcome to the podcast. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the podcast. So we started out this last couple weeks with cold and chilly temperatures, you know, in the 40s, maybe cracking 50, lots of 30s. In fact, it was so cold that there was an extended period of time of being able to look at the tulips at the Tulip Festival. So before Mother's Day, went down and had a surprise visit with my family in West Michigan, and we went to the Tulip Festival, and it was absolutely gorgeous to see all of those tulips. It was like technicolor. It was like amazing getting out to look at all of the beautiful colors, the flowers, so many tulips all over Holland, Michigan. And we stayed away from folks, you know, like six feet, but we were still able to go get dinner, went on a lovely walk along the river they have a windmill there that was across the river. We got a lot of beautiful pictures. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful time of being able to get out. But I'm telling you, all of those colors after being inside in a gray winter for so long and the cold temperatures, it just, it did. It felt like looking at things uh, in Technicolor, like the first movie you would have ever gone to that was in color after watching everything in black and white your whole life. Only it's six months of winter up here. So that was a great kickoff to getting used to the thought that life after vaccination is slowly rolling back to normal. Now that I say hedgingly, whatever normal is going to be. But let's go back to the weather. So since it was, you know, in the 40s and 50s, it was so cold, there's an extended period to go see the tulips. And I got very inspired with all the color. I really wanted to jump into my garden, but it was way too cold. And we had a few days of rain, but, oh, it was just cold and wind. We've had days and days of wind. I mean, just totally not typical for our springtime. And then yesterday happened. It went from being in the 40s and it hit 80. I was like, what? I went outside for a little walk after work. I'm working from home this last week. We'll get into that. Um, It was warm, but in the spring, you can still feel the cool cold breezes and the ground is warming up, but it still wasn't like you were in a blistering hot 80 degree day in August. I don't know. Do you notice the difference? There is a difference between a spring 80 and a August or September 80 degrees. 80 degrees is pretty hot for me, but I don't work in it all day long either. 
So I was gra graciously accepting of the sun and it boosted me to really feel like I could get anything done. And that's a funny thing this year. Um, the sun has just been a wonderful welcome and it's supposed to be in the high 70s and 80s all week. And that's how it is up here sometimes. You go from cold and it even snowed not all that long ago. It didn't stick, but it snowed and it's nasty and it was gray and raining to all of a sudden, boom, here we are almost in summer-like weather. So the leaves on our trees are now starting to bud out. They are still tiny and they're not full growth, but another day or so and they'll be full-sized maple leaves and oak leaves on the trees. Uh, my garden... I did spend some time in it this last weekend. The weather was nice. It was in the 40s when I worked on it in the morning to 50 degrees. I like working on it when it's that temperature. And I have to say, I was very <laughs> mad because after the big devastation of the garden last year that led to all the trees being removed and the garden had to be reset. I mean, some of the things have come back in the where they were originally planted, but there was a lot of new um, compost and soil put on from the public city compost heap. You know where this is going. What does that bring? Weeds. Oh my gosh, I have not had weeds like this. And years because I had cultivated a nice little ecosystem in my garden where there was a lot of mulch and there was um, a lot of weeding that was done and I, w I do put preen on the garden in the spring and I did again this year but then it got cold again after I put it on and it rained but I still think it helped a little bit. I have so many little stinging, not stinging, they're purple flowers, but my sister calls them a type of a nettle or ground cover, and they're everywhere in the garden, as well as the usual burdock, which, you know, trying to dig them out is like trying to find a taproot that goes all the way to the center of the earth, and um, grass. So I have fabric underneath the soil to suppress the weeds and in that area it is terrible i've got so much grass so much of i used to call them wild mustard and burdock and all oh, that nettles i an hour an hour didn't even begin to touch it but an hour was all my body said i could do so i'm going to try to spend 10 or 15 minutes now that the big initial weeding is done and have to try to dig out the grass and dig out the things, you know, that are not in its, their weeds. You know, they're not welcome in the garden. I have to keep reminding myself, Gardener's World says that weeds are just plants that are not in their proper place. And I always also say weeds can be very invasive and ruin my fairy garden. So I want to get them out. But Wow, I haven't weeded this many plants in a long time. In fact, I had to get a hoe um, out of the storage and I had to get my little shovel and I have a garden claw and a long stick. So bending and being on my knees is not very good. So I was able to do most of it um, standing upright to save my back and used the 
when my dad calls it the garden weasel, the claw and the hoe and scrape and pull and dig and chop. And I got a lot of it up and I know I didn't get all the roots and they're going to come back, but it's just easier to scrape along the top and get some of those things dug up as much as you can. And then I went through and pulled them all out and sifted the soil out as much as I could and let the weeds in a, in a big pile and I let them dry out a little bit hoping that it kills it. In fact, I put a lot of them on a lid of a five gallon bucket to let the sun beat down on them for several days and then I scooped them up and put them in a little weed pile where I put little um, weeds and leaves in a dead zone on the dark side of the garage where nobody looks so that they flatten out and die and then I just kind of mix them into the soil. But man, yeah, I just thinking about it makes my back hurt. It really was a lot of work. All that to say, I had to check my attitude, right? Because I got so grumpy about it. I got grumpy about it because it just brought back all of the mental anguish and trauma over the garden not being the way it was and that it just brought back all my anger over that debacle last year when they came up across the property line six eight feet they dug a six foot at least six foot trench we made them bring some of the dirt to fill it back in of course you know part of that is it was free dirt from the city and it was full of weeds and I just have to stop and tell myself when I look at it everybody um thinks that the property line looks better because all of the dead and broken trees are gone, which were not on our property. The trees that were on my property, um, I would have liked to have left a couple of the live ones, but they're not there. So I have to reframe my bad attitude about it to go, you know what, there's a lot of opportunity here because there's a lot more sun and the plants seem to be doing okay. In fact, some of them are doing much better. So looking for the opportunity for more growth and adding a few plants, I'm letting them grow for a little bit so I don't plant on top of everything else that's already there. Because I honestly don't remember where everything is from the big planting. <laughs> I have to refer to photos and videos I took last year for that purpose. And just look at how it grows. I may add a few taller plants in the back. And we may add another crab apple or two. We'll see. We'll see. So that was my big attitude check last week over being so upset over having to weed all of that garden. And then I just went back and remembered the technicolor of the tulips and the careful cultivating of all of those bulbs and the amount of work it just, there's lots of opportunity to, for it to be a beautiful new space and not get hung up on the loss of what last year was. So do you have any ideas for me on weeding the grasses out? You know, pulling the weeds don't, you know, that's all you can do. Do a little preen, digging out the burdock, um, but grass, man, that is really hard to get out. Anybody have ideas other than hand digging? I would be open to hearing your suggestions. So what kinds of things have I done this week in the quilting department? Well, I've done a lot 
but yet not so much. I mean, I really had to look um, because I don't feel like I've done a whole lot of quilting. I've done quilting, but not a lot of sewing. And that was what um, I had to tell, again, tell myself, I don't have to have all of this stuff done just to check it off a mental list. But what I have done is um, I quilted a couple of smaller quilts. I did my shibori bonus block arrow it was left over from the arrows quilt from several years ago but I got it quilted it took me a while I put it on the frame a couple weeks ago then my husband got very sick with some sort of sinus that was going around and I've had it too but he's on the second antibiotic and that seems to be kicking it and he's back to work but while he was homesick, I didn't feel like he was not feeling well. I didn't want to run the long arm. And I didn't do a ton of sewing with my machine because it's just when you don't feel good and your head is pounding like that, the sound of a big old machine rattling your house doesn't always help. So he's back to work. And this weekend, while he was feeling better and puttering in the garage by getting it organized and he took the snow blower off the tractor, the lawn tractor, and put the mowing deck on, I finished that quilt. And what gets me is this lesson about procrastination too, because part of me was like, I loaded it and I did a row and it sat there for two weeks. Now he wasn't sick for two weeks. He was sick for the last three, four, five days of last week. And I just couldn't bring myself to get up there and finish it. And I... I was frozen by fear of perfection that I just, it wasn't a perfectly pieced quilt and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't quilt it as perfectly as I wanted to. And yeah, I don't know where that comes from every once in a while. It's like I have long armed for 10 years. Sometimes you have some really great quilts that just come together and sometimes they're, they're good. So I quilted this, I, I got it all done and I took it off the frame and lo and behold, I quilted one of the negative spaces in the wrong direction. I quilted um, one, so there's diamond, you know, diamond shapes. The first row of diamond shapes in between the dark blue, I did a vertical squiggly line. And then the second long row of diamond shapes, I did a 45 degree angle squiggly line and then vertical and then the straight squiggly lines I made a mistake on one of them so you know what you have to really look because quite honestly it's just texture on this particular quilt on the navy our indigo blue of the shibori I did overall swirls it was a nice warm-up quilt and it felt good and then I got brave and yesterday during my lunch didn't take very long again. I think that shibori quilt to finish it took me um 20 minutes to finish that quilt. It was so small because I'd already loaded it and done one row. And I thought, why did it take me so long? Because in the queue behind that shibori was this first English paper pieced hexagon temperature quilt that I did and I've been yammering about this for the last couple years I started it in 2019 each flower um, represented the high temperature of the day and it was an extremely cold year so I did eight months of it because once eight months were over we started getting back into cold temperatures and the quilt is mostly blue because it's cold <laughs> 
it's a cold place here with a few flowers of orange and a few transition colors of green and yellow. <laughs> I thought, well, that was a dumb idea. I was, I should make my own uh, key. I used a key online, which was a beautiful key. But um, we have such a narrow range of temperatures here. I need to pick a wide range of colors next time I decide, if I ever decide to do a temperature quilt again. But my biggest fear with loading this temperature quilt, because it's been done, it's pressed. I, in my stash, had a great batik to go on the back and was that it was going to fall apart, that my stitches were not going to hold. And then as soon as that big needle punched through my beloved cherry wood fabric that I used for this particular quilt, that the whole thing was going to fall apart. So I thought, well, I'm going to do overall swirls on this. There's no reason to do custom work on it because of my fear of this whole thing falling apart right before my very eyes. And I needed to just to get back in the saddle. Um, you know, my sinuses weren't bothering me, so my head was clear. I didn't feel dizzy. My back was recovered from all the gardening. And on my lunch hour, I loaded it and I quilted it in an hour swirls nothing fancy and I was like wow it held up why did I feel like it wasn't going to work number one and number two what did I why did I procrastinate so long it was something that was less than an hour and I've been working on things in 10 to 15 minute increments just because the pandemic um, and working from home I think I've been paralyzed by procrastination which is really fear of not being perfect and not not knowing what's going to happen so I got over that yesterday in my English paper piece hexi quilt is off the frame I think I have about five or six quilts of various sizes to bind and I will work on that yeah in the next little bit or the next cool down <laughs> because now why do I always do that I get things quilted and then they have to be bound in the heat of the summer so those were the big uh, quilting projects and so the other quilting and sewing projects that I've been finding instant gratification in is that I have done Minky Kim's fruit coasters it's apple lemon pear coasters and they are so cute. They're shaped like very sweet kawaii um, style, which is a Japanese style, very cutesy style. You know, kawaii is the cute little faces on everything. Well, think of that with the very cute apple, pear, and lemon. I didn't put faces on them, neither did Minky, but it's that feel, it's that aesthetic. They have little fruit leaves and stems so the apple is done it has the leaves and stem and so I sewed the lemon and the pear did I say lime it's apple lemon pear and I am done with them they're bound the binding I, I learned you have to do it on the bias because they're all curvy mine don't quite I don't know if I um, I'm not good at sewing curves as well as Minky is but I think they look just like the photo and the binding didn't turn out too bad. It's not perfect. <clears throat> They're coasters, Vicki. They're not going in a quilt show. So I love them. And I just have to do the leaves and the stem on the lemon and the pear. And I will put them all up on uh, Instagram 
when they're done because without the leaves in the pear, you don't get that cute kawaii feel. Now to make it a set of four, I was thinking of a line, but then I thought I saw Minky do her additional fruit and she used an orange and an orange is just round. Well, I have a compass and I could do an orange and that would be perfect because that would be green um, for the apple I used. Um, I used not orange, but yellow for the lemon and then a blue, green and tealish colors. Think mid-century color palette for my pear and then I'm going to use I have lots of this really cute orange in this scrap sack that I bought a couple weeks ago for this project so I am so excited they're super cute and I've never been into the thought of making mug rugs but these are coasters and they're super cute and um they're like instant gratification mini quilts and they're technically hard to do because there's so many curves and it's not just like a nine patch block that's mini um I like these in fact I like them so much I want to make more and get a little bit better at making them and see if I can make the free basket that Minky had on her pattern site so if you go to her Instagram Minky Kim is Zeriano you'll find a link in her bio to her pattern store and every once in a while you'll find some free patterns and you can purchase the apple lemon and pear pattern so the next section of the podcast is our creative souls so i told you a little bit about my gardening but i'm going to talk about what my sister and i have been working on and the not quilting department. Um, my sister has been doing an incredible amount of gardening. She is re-landscaping her yard to prepare for an above ground pool for her and her grandkids. Um, I think that will really help her. She's got rheumatoid arthritis so that she can walk in the pool in chest deep water and um, she does a little bit of gardening every day as she can. I can't believe all the birds she gets. She's really been working hard over the last few years to get a lot of nature and wildlife in her yard and she's had um, birds and all kinds of squirrels and even a raccoon moved in this year the raccoon is probably going to be relocated because where he's living is not a good space it's real young and it's right uh, in a big tree next to her driveway and it's disturbed all the time and it's not happy so they're trying to um, find a happier place for it to live out in the country where it will be around more raccoons and stay out of everybody's trash. You know how they are. We have possums here and raccoons that do come to town, but I haven't seen them in my yard. Thank goodness, because they can be destructive. But anyway, so that's, uh, she's been gardening and not doing um, a lot of other crafting. And normally in the spring when she's thinning out her beds, she sells a lot of her plants on Facebook Marketplace, you know, like excessive hostas and daylilies and irises and all of the perennials that you just don't want to throw away. And that's her springtime project every year. What have I been working on that's not been quilting? I have rekindled a love for Zentangle. I've been doing a Zentangle most every day. 
I find that it really helps during meetings when I start getting stressed or anxious or bored and you're like, oh, when is this ever going to end? The beauty of working from home and doing Zoom meetings is that I can doodle and tangle and it just looks like I'm taking copious notes and everyone thinks that I'm paying extra attention, but I'm really trying to focus more. So ADHD people, a lot of times taking notes, doodling, things like that actually helps to focus on what is at hand and I can listen and do these. So I decided I got my art journal is filled with doodles. My Silken Sonder journal is filled with doodles. And then I thought, you know, I saw this method called reverse watercolor or reverse coloring pages or like color books. So <clears throat> they're more abstract. And that's the whole thing about Zentangles. They really are abstract. So I started with, um, I have this old watercolor um, pigment system that my husband won in the art auction a couple years ago. Wow, they're beautiful. But I can't watercolor like drawing a, a picture and then trying to watercolor it. So I love the abstract look though of watercolor and textures and splattering water <clears throat> and, and paint on it for that matter. So I'm going to start really working and honing in on this reverse watercolor abstract type of thing. And I started with watercoloring several pages in um, greens, blues, and I did reds, which is, I tried to make it pink, so it looks more pink. And I want to do flowers. So the first one is just all over different um, types of tangles. I've, I go to Pinterest because the thing is I have lots of books on Zentangle, probably four or five. That's a lot for me but you don't carry them to work or to meetings. I have my smartphone, so you can go to Pinterest and just look for Zentangle step outs or Zentangle patterns, whatever word you want to do. And you can see the basic of how to do a shape. A Zentangle is like a repetitive meditative strokes of your pen. And so each motif or pattern, if you will, is really a simple, repetitive set of strokes. And so my current favorite is like this balloon flower and little mushrooms. And so I've done flowers. It's like a balloon flower, mushrooms, leaves, feathers, mucha, as well as this other one. I can't remember. There's like a little heart-shaped ivy. And I've got a couple of pages done. So the mushroom one, I did it in a row upside right. Then I left a band of the watercolor plain, and then I flipped the paper over and did a band of the mushroom motif upside down. And I thought, wouldn't it cute to put, wouldn't it be really cute to put something in that band? Like cut out something, uh, a word with the cricket, because my hand lettering um, isn't great. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's horrible and I really like the mushroom so I want a consistent lettering and I'm going to cut it out of paper I have lots of cardstock and I thought what could I put in there so I put it out on um, my group and I put it out on uh, Instagram and I haven't had very many words come back yet so I'm thinking but I'm leaning toward you know I don't want to just put welcome on there it's, it's small it's a five by eight sheet of watercolor paper 
someone put grow or growing or cute or simple. I don't know. I'm thinking grow is a good one. And I may go with that. That's Barb's suggestion. I really like that. And I might go with it. I got to think more and start looking at fonts. So I've been working on the Zentangle. And it's really a great stress reliever, especially when you do it as a true meditative practice in your day. Now, remember last year I did a bunch of Zentangle on Batik. So I'm going to resurrect that this week. I'm going to prep a bunch of uh, Batik fabric and then iron it on to freezer paper to give it some stiffness. And then I used a special IdentiPen that you can put a permanent marker type of thing on the Batik. Well, you know, everyone's going, what are you going to do with that? Oh, it's one of my least favorite asked questions. It's kind of like going to the quilt shop and buying a bunch of fabric because you like it, but you don't know what you're going to do with it and have the, the pressure of the person cutting out your fabric going, well, what are you going to make with that? I don't know. A lot of times I just buy fabric. Once in a while, I will buy specific fabric, but you know, if I go to a quilt shop particularly, um, I usually buy impulsively buy something and it's a lot of pressure to come up with a honest answer of, you know, I'm thinking about a star block, but I think it's going to go in my stash until uh, a thought marinates in my head. It's kind of how these batik um, blocks were and they're just like eight and a half inches. And so what I thought was that would be the perfect front of a pocket on a journal cover or like a book cover. I made it as a journal cover for my Silken Sonder journal. Now you use this journal, I use it quite a bit every day and it's a one month journal. But since I'm gonna be going back to the office next week and I'm packing a office survival kit, which will have my journal in it, I don't want it to get all beat up in transit. And I like the beauty, the, they're so beautiful. You don't want them to get all dog-eared and tattered. So I just looked at a couple quick journal covers. They're real simple. You know, you do a front and then you put pockets for sleeves like in the back. It's not the full length of the journal. You just, you hem two squares and you layer it on and flip it over so that you your book slides in it. I'm terrible at giving directions. Well, I did that, but before I sewed the back on, I sewed the pocket on the front with my Zentangle to make room for an ink pen or stickers, because I use a lot of stickers. And then on the squares that I hemmed to make the pockets for the journal front cover and back cover. I also did another little pocket and that's perfect sized. It was all serendipitous, no pattern, just made it go. Well, I'm going to say first is I cut it too small. I'm rubbing my face going, oh, I have this really cute rainbow fabric that the pink feather Zentangle on the batik went on top. The rainbow fabric's gorgeous, and I had this cute little rainbow print for the inside pockets. It's very cutesy, kind of that kawaii feel, but it was too narrow. I couldn't get the cover in the pockets. So I thought, okay, just undo the, just undo the seams. And I put the stripes the opposite way 
in a band across the top and bottom. And I thought, what a design opportunity. That's a Zentangle thing. There are no mistakes, just design opportunities. Now, this isn't the perfect journal cover. And I'm going to try it again. Um, maybe with a little bit better directions on YouTube. But I found leftover backing fabric from my bookcase quilt last summer. And it's the Lord of the Rings map. Now, that would be a fun journal cover. But I'm here to say that I saved like grain ribbon from a fat quarter bundle. Um, so I have all these little things and I had, you know, if you want to put interfacing in there, you could. I think with the Lord of the Rings, I'm not going to put a pocket on the front because it's the map. I think I'm just going to put the pocket on the inside for stickers and quilt it and then put a tab next to the tie ribbon tie closure a little tab hanging out to stick my micron pen in because you don't want to put a, a pen on the inside pockets because then it will bend the cover unless you have a book cover but these are like cardboard paper it's kind of like a composition book or even a three you know a spiral notebook that you would have for school so journal covers I'm kind of like into these magically inspired fairy inspired things and that's what Zentangle does for me um so that let me check my list here oh no I closed my page in my journal with all my ideas for <laughs> for the podcast so bear with me here while I flip back so sewing journals is a good thing Okay, so that does wrap up the Zentangle segment. So the other thing I started is that um, sometimes my fingers are too stiff to work on the B-hexagon quilt that I've been hand stitching. Uh, it's just making flowers with the gold fabric. And I had that big exchange with bumblebee fabric and gold honeycomb beehive inspired fabrics and I've got about 14 of those blocks done with the hexagon applique onto the navy blue and gold swiss dot fabric. I decided to give hand sewing a little rest let my fingers especially with all the gardening and weeding let them not be so stiff and I started knitting grandma's favorite dishcloth. I have about four more skeins of Thread Up, which is a recycled um, Lion brand yarn. It's cotton. I really like it. And I would buy it again for dishcloths. It's not as chunky and rough as peaches and cream that you would buy, say, at Walmart or Michael's. I don't know. Michael's carries it. Hobby Lobby has their version. But I like the thinner... Um, lighter texture of this thread up and it's perfect for washcloths. So that's about what I've been wrapped up on the crafting front. I did find that um, when I got on a roll of doing those power hour things or just even like for 20 minutes several mornings this week of picking those jobs that I've been procrastinating on I did prick out the forget-me-nots from their seedling pot to the pink square 
um, McCoy pot and they look cute and they're growing. I put my geraniums that I got for Mother's Day out on the stoop because it warmed up and put them in their little pot. All I had to do was take them and sit them in the pot. But you know, you procrastinate because they're just little jobs that are annoying and you want to do other things or you have other things to do. Um, so yeah, I, I watered all my plants and put neem oil on them to keep the gnats, the fungal soil gnats from coming. You know, just making a one thing every day and putting that on my list. If I only do one thing today, I put this nitnoid little job on there. So after a run of really bitter coffee, I have been on a quest for changing up using the current coffee system I have, which is using the pods or K-cup. Um, my Keurig died a few years ago and I got this Walmart $20 alternative and it, it does its job. It does a good job, but the element on it is not consistent. It gets really hot one day and really cold, cool the next day where the coffee is barely hot enough to drink. So I've been on a quest of what kind of coffee system do I want? The motivation for change is, of course, environmental. All the plastic from those pods is terrible. And I really have been trying to reduce my plastic consumption. And the other part is the K-cups are very expensive. They've gotten very expensive over the pandemic. And the flavor is terrible. I have had a run on terribly bitter coffee. And I'm very sensitive to bitter, bitter flavoring. It's just disgusting to me. I can't drink... Um, what is that called? Um, the beers that are super bitter. Oh, no way. Or bitter, any bitter drinks. No. So we've got this current new membership to Costco. And one thing I understand is pretty good. And I see a lot of is their coffee. And I thought ground coffee sounds delicious. It smelled delicious when I walked by the aisle. And we're going back to Costco this weekend. It's about over an hour away from us. So I think we're going to go like once a month, twice a month during warmer seasons and maybe once a month and online during cooler seasons. And so I've been researching French press, AeroPress, pour over, drip brew, all the different coffees. And I don't know. <laughs> did you know? Maybe you did. I did not know. There were several different methods of brewing coffee. And um, I need something that I'm afraid a French press would be hard on my wrists and fingers, a French press or an aero press. And I don't need a big coffee pot because I'm the only person that drinks one cup in the morning, right? So why get a big coffee pot system or even a small percolator or drip system? So I'm thinking of getting a pour over um, coffee system with a tea kettle, which is an electric one. But, you know, I'm going to go look at them and I think I'm going to order the pour over system. If I can't find it over at Costco, I'll order it on Amazon. And I'm hoping they have one of those electric tea kettles and the coffee. And so my husband's teasing me because he doesn't drink coffee. Now he used to be a Mountain Dew drinker, but he broke that habit years and years and years ago. But it's just uh, funny. He's like, you and your coffee habit, blah, blah, blah. And I just tease him because... Um, he has his habits and it usually starts with ice and ends with cream. But anyway, 
So that's the great dilemma. So do you have any ideas on what do you think are the advantages and disadvantages? I only do one cup of coffee and I like tea, a lot of tea. So the kettle will be nice for brewing my tea. And I like oolong tea and I usually buy different types of tea, usually in bags. But I do have a little pot for one cup where you can brew your own loose leaf tea also. And so I don't know. I don't know the nuances of brewing a cup of coffee in a pour over system. But it looks like the ones I've been looking at, they have metal filters. So you use coarse ground coffee so they don't slip through the holes and it's all dishwasher safe from the ones I'm looking at and yeah I think it would be easy it shouldn't take too long but do you know any tips tricks and what is your favorite type of coffee system because the other thing is I am lazy and I I just don't want to have to fuss with 10,000 parts I do have arthritis in my fingers so I'm concerned about pressing like a French press unless there's some automatic system on that and the other part is I want to be environmentally friendly so something that if I cannot have to buy lots of filters and leave plastic waste that would be good and I don't want to walk or drive to the coffee shop and buy a $10 cup of coffee every day right because it's crazy even a $5 even McDonald's um, $2 cups of coffee that adds up that's $60 a month I could buy a lot of fabric with that so that's my dilemma I've been back and forth over this for over a week in this inner turmoil of what kind of coffee system to buy okay that's a little dramatic but it really is um, something I want to incorporate in my morning ritual of journaling, meditating, deep breathing, and brewing a great cup of coffee instead of a nasty, bitter one. So I'd love your ideas. So have you worked on rituals at all? Um, I have, and it's reset me and preparing me for real life next week of going back to the office in the slow transition to a post-pandemic world outside of this house. I know many of you, it you kept on doing the things you do uh, because of your work and because of your job and you've done fine. Um, what's scary to me is just this whole uncertainty. And um, yeah, I've had friends sick and I've lost a couple people I know and it just keeps on. And so it's that whole, there's fear involved of the unknown. And I'm also struggling with trust, right? Trust has been a tough thing for me. And that's a, I feel very vulnerable saying that, but trusting people, trusting, you know, who you, what you read and trying to figure out, you know, what's based in science and what's based in opinion and try to formulate the best decisions we can. I mean, that's the whole, my whole life. You try to glean the best information you can. You gather as much information as you can. Then I weigh the pluses and the minuses and the consequences of each decision. And then we go forward. That's how I make decisions. But this is different because it feels like I'm just kind of going by my gut. And you know what? I do that a lot too. So 
Uh, ending on a positive note, I would love to hear about your coffee system suggestions and how to brew a great cup of coffee. If you're a pour over person, please give me tips and tricks because I'm leaning toward that system. Also, if you're a gardener, I'd love tips and tricks on getting rid of grass in your perennial beds and any other weed management. I'm going to work on more mulch and hand digging and I'm hoping it warms up in this next week or two, most likely the weekend of Memorial is the rule of thumb in planting um, annuals around here in at the 45th parallel, which is zone 4B for your information. <laughs> like you really care to know. Um, I have all these wildflower seeds that I'm going to plant a wildflower bed. And in the wildflower bed area on the edge of my property, I just dumped a bunch of perennials that were too heavy for me last fall. They were just clods of dirt. You know how you're like, just, ugh, just sticking them here for now. And then I'll flatten the dirt out in the spring. Oh no, the plants grew. So I'm thinking of making it a feature. I don't even know what's in there. I think it's things like perennial geranium, maybe a balloon flower, some Asiatic lilies, maybe a hosta or two in this clump that's growing. And I think I'm going to turn it into like a rock, rockery they call it on Gardener's World, but stick a bunch of big rocks around it and make it a feature. And if the plants survive, fantastic. If some wildflower seeds blow into it while I'm direct sowing the wildflower seeds into the ground, fantastic. I want an area for the insects to grow. Now I'm a big fan of Gardener's World and I was shocked to hear a segment on the insect population has dropped by about 75% in where the study was done. And that was in the UK. And I'm thinking, well, if it dropped that much over there, it's probably dropped close to that much here, even though it feels like there's a million bugs outside. And the bugs that are out there are bugs that I don't really want to encounter. And that's mosquitoes and ticks. But I do want to have good bugs and I want them in my yard with the bees and pollinators and moths and the wildflower zone. It's a little strip of a bed near my garden, I think is the place to encourage that. And according to this segment on the show, that's what they suggest. If they even suggest not mowing your lawn, but maybe once or twice a season, I could get away with that, but I don't particularly like the look and I don't have a lot of lawn. I'm trying to get more and more wild areas for animals, insects, and birds. So do you have any ideas on wildflower? Direct sowing them into the soil and keeping them growing or tips and tricks for that. This will be my very first time attempting it. I'm hoping that this is a season that they will grow but at the same time the directions say don't sow the seed until frost and freezing is done and i think maybe it's 80 degrees this week maybe the ground will warm up enough that by memorial day it will be time to sow the seed and then i'll watch it grow over the course of the summer and i'll give you reports as we go so check out my Instagram, Vicki L. Holloway Quilting, or you can find me at mycreativecorner3.com. You can leave a comment. The show notes will be there. I'm working on my next YouTube video. 
probably about journaling and it's going to be at Vicki Holloway uh, is the name of my YouTube channel and you can always send me a note or an email at vholloway12345 at gmail.com. If you want to support the podcast, you can always buy me a virtual cup of coffee on ko-fi.com. And I have a patron program. So Etsy has um, buy me a virtual cup of coffee there if you're an Etsy fan. And I don't know, I might even put a few things up on my Etsy shop over the course of the summer. We'll see how things go. But anyway, everybody have a most wonderful week. I hope that you are enjoying and basking in some lovely weather, maybe some sunshine. And tell me how you're doing. Let me know what you're working on. And if you'd like to share on an interactive basis with me, I'm at a Facebook group called My Creative Corner 3. Have a great week. Be creative. And quilt on, everyone. <laughs>